You're listening to a sermon from Hebron Baptist Church, a church in the northern Kentucky Cincinnati area that's committed to making disciples who make disciples. We want our love for God to be evident in our lives and for the Word of God to bear fruit as we go on mission across the street and around the globe. We hope after hearing this message, you'll connect with us on our website at hebronbaptist.org and visit our campus, not far from I-275 in Hebron, some Sunday morning. Our worship services are at 9.30 or 11. And now, here's a message from God's perfect, life-changing Word. Amen. You may be seated. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 1. If you are familiar or not familiar with your Bible, just let it lay open in the very middle and you'll probably be in Psalms and then find number one, chapter one or page 472 in the Bible in the pew in front of you. We are, uh, for those of you who may be new, we are going cover to cover through the entire word of God. We've taken some of the major emphasis or stories as we read through the Bible together and uh, we're in this series sort of called Kings and Kingdoms. Well, it's not sort of called it. It is called Kings and Kingdoms. And uh, we're looking at how uh, God used the kings of that day. But it also is a reminder to us or a question to us, whose kingdom are we serving? Whose kingdom are we following? In this day and age, are we following a king or in a kingdom to come or our own kingdom or the kingdom of this world? Today we're going to look at how to stay uh, unchanged or, or unmoved as we look at the unchanging word and a changing world. So we're going to look at the value and the beauty of God's word, a great reminder that we need to have throughout scripture. I think the Bible and God planned it that way, remind us to be faithful in God's word. And so here we're going to read just Psalm chapter 1. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither, whether whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like shafts that are in the wind that blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Let us pray. God, as we have read your word today, may any fears... May any hopelessness, may any strongholds, may any stubbornness that we might have or hold on to, may you wipe it away. And may we come to your word this morning. And may your spirit renew itself in us that we might see ourselves as someone grounded and ordered around your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There are many tall, beautiful trees in the south, uh, towards the coast, down in Florida. 
And you wonder, how in the world do these big, beautiful trees remain so strong and steadfast in such horrible weather? I mean, there's so many that this is, we know, Hurricane Alley. So many hurricanes come down through there. But you look and so many of their trees withstand even hurricane force winds. How does this happen? Well, uh, a live oak is one of the more popular trees down in that area. It can grow up to 70 feet tall and it can last hundreds of years Well, how does it stay that strong? How does it live that long? And in many places, such sandy, moist soil. I mean, it's not really even the best soil for it to stay in. How does it stand? Because its root system is so expansive. The roots within these trees, even they might go 80 feet tall, their root system can go out 90 feet or more. So when they are being pulled and pulled about or pushed about by the wind, they stay strong. But what about a tumbleweed? (laughs) Maybe you've heard of tumbleweeds or seen them in the desert or on cowboy movies. You see a tumbleweed blowing along. Well, this tumbleweed is usually sometimes a flowery thicket. It's actually known as a, as a Russian weed uh, in many places. And, and, and as it grows, when the rainy time comes, it produces a flower, but it quickly dies out. And then we know what happens. The tumbleweed only has one real root. It goes very shallow. And when it dies it untethers itself and blows away. You don't know where it's going to go. You don't know where it's going to end up. It gets uprooted easily. The question that I want to ask today and what I believe the scripture is asking today, is your spiritual life more like a live oak or a tumbleweed? Do you see yourself as having roots that are spiritually deep For when the difficult times come, when the winds of suffering arrive, when tragedy or the busyness and routine of life helps you to become easily uprooted, maybe you're more like that tumbleweed. Maybe you aren't very rooted in God. But those of us who are Christians are called to be deeply rooted and connected to God and his word. Though you you face the same questions as everyone else, you can easily answer the uncertainty of this age with courage, with hope. Tragedy you face with confidence because your roots go deep. Psalm 1 is said to be the gateway to the rest of the Psalms. And some some say it's the key to understanding the, the whole Bible. There's two ways to live. The psalmist provides a summary to say that the listener should heed its advice. To stay strong, to stay unshakable, to stay unmovable, you need to set your roots in God's word, in God's way. Someone has said that the battle today is not over the inerrancy of God's word or that it's factual or true, but it's sufficiency, 
that it is sufficient for my life, that it is sufficient for what I need, that I don't need extra things to add to it so that I might be strong in God's word, that I don't need to rely on family tradition or take a poll of my friends that instead I know that I can trust God, his word, and his ways. Today, we know that it is going to get hard. As a matter of fact, in Romans 1, paints a picture of a, of a culture and where sin or wickedness is more of a norm instead of the exception. Revelation tells us that things are going to get worse before they get better or they become new by God's hand. So how are we going to stand strong when these times come? How are we going to remain unmovable and deep? How are you going to stand when you go to college and you're surrounded by professors who think religion is a fool's errand? How will you stand when your family seems to be cracking at the seams? How will you set foot in a new way of life when your children are moving on? How do you face bad news or handle even good news? Well, you stay faithful by making your, deep, deep, your roots deep in God's word. As a matter of fact, how you stay faithful to God is directly proportional to your roots in God's word. So how deep are your roots? Are they a tumbleweed or a live oak? The psalmist is clear. Order your life around God's word and you will be prosperous. You will persevere. I want us to examine the difference between these, someone who orders their life around God and his word and someone who does not, and see what the Bible tells us results. And so the first is this, those who order their life around God's word will persevere and prosper. Verse 1 through 3 tells us this, how happy is the one who does not. Here they start with a, a comparison of someone who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, who does not stand in the pathway with sinners, who does not sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted by flowing streams that bears fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever it does, he does prospers. God intends here to show that the person who devotes himself to his word will live a godly life, but will also have a righteous life that leads to true happiness. Happy is the one. In the biblical term, happiness it means one who is filled with God's blessing or fulfilled or intrinsically right. On all of these definitions wraps itself up in happiness, just as Jesus says in the Beatitudes, blessed are the ones. Blessed, happy, fulfilled, right in God are the ones who order their life around God's word. This is what we read in verse 2. Whose delight is the law, the Lord's instruction. Someone who orders their life around God's word will prosper. Why? Because they choose God's best way for them and God's best way for their joy and peace. 
You see, if we're grounded in God's word, we will avoid some of the common mistakes others make. And they list them here. If we're grounded in God's word, we will not fall for the advice of the wicked. We will not follow the advice for the wicked. A righteous person who governs his life based on God's word will not take advice from bad people. Now, we live in a day and age in which there are many people lining up to give us advice about things. Uh, Magazines, newspaper articles, and television shows. But so do others within our culture, our friends. They're pounding, crying, live like this. It's fun. You'll be glad you did it. It's sort of like the call that Pinocchio had to Pleasure Island. Come, there are no strings on you anymore. Come, live how you want to live. But those who follow God's word learn this, that the more they wholly reject the wisdom of the world, the more whole they will feel. The more they wholly reject the wisdom of the world, the more whole they will feel. They will not listen. They will not counter. They will not uh, even uh, listen to those whose words or advice or wisdom would be counter to God's. Those who are grounded in God's word will also not follow a life of sin. And when the psalmist writes, they will not stand in the pathway of sinners, what they're meaning is they're not saying you're like being like a human blockade in front of the sinners. No, it actually that you're standing in their pathway, that you are walking along with them, that you are living the same life. This focus shifting from listening to the advice of someone to then following their lifestyle and behavior. One who is grounded in God's word will certainly say, I'm not going to listen to their advice. I'm certainly not going to live how they say that they will live. The Bible says, do not be conformed by this world, but have your mind renewed so that you are transformed. This person who avoids God's word in some ways, almost allows itself to be playing Simon Says with the culture. Someone who's not grounded in God's word, when the world says, Simon Says, stand up, they stand up. When the, when the, world, when the world says, Simon Says, sin, they sin. But someone who is grounded in God's word knows that holiness is happiness. Happiness only comes from God's ways. And they are protected and guarded and maintained because they will not even advise to follow this life. And also, someone who is grounded in God's word will not enjoy the company of those who mock God. Verse 1, or sit in the company of mockers. Mockers are people who hold nothing sacred, scoffing at God and all that is associated with them. To sit with such People is taking a step further than walking or standing. And do you notice the spiral that is happening here that the psalmist is showing us? When you're not grounded in God's word, you're not choosing God's word as what wraps your life, anchors your life, satisfies your life, what happens? You start to listen to others who don't follow God. Then you start to live like others who don't follow God who then enjoys sitting in the company of those who don't follow God. Now what we're saying is that we don't avoid sinners or those who are not of God of all all shapes and sizes, but we don't find camaraderie in them 
We don't get life from them. We get life from believers who, who worship Christ, who, who pray for us, who come alongside us and nourish us in our life. But those who are not following God are always going to give advice that are scoffing at God, that God does not matter. And it impacts the way Christians even look at God's word altogether. When you've come to this point, I hear Christians say silly things like this. Well, you know, I really don't agree with Paul here. I don't really agree with Peter here. He was speaking in some patriarchal society. And so therefore, I don't need to follow God's word in this way. Peter only meant this to a first century audience. He doesn't mean this to me. In which we understand if we know we're Christians wrapped in God's word, grounded in God's word, what do we know? Why do we wrap ourselves in the very word of God? Because it's God breathed. It is his very word to us. The Bible tells us that it is breathed out. The inspiration of scripture is that God breathed it into the authors itself. And some of us say, well, I don't like this part right here. This must be Paul writing or this must be Peter writing. What, did God go away for a cup of coffee? Did did he fall asleep at the wheel? Did he just say, I'm just gonna stop inspiring and writing my word for a few sentences? Friends, we cannot be the judge of what we follow and what we not because God wrote it all. And we follow it because he said it. And that it brings life to our hearts. God and his word is precious to us. And we must understand that it is, uh, we must guard our hearts because we wouldn't want to find ourselves in this logical progression that says God takes a few verses off. I don't have to follow this because friends, then I would ask you, when does that line stop? When do I not need Jesus anymore? When do I not need his church anymore? Why read the Bible at all? Friends, the contrast is stark. By those who are guided by God's word, instead, number four, they devour and meditate on God's word. Uh, Here it says, they uh, delight in the Lord's instruction. There is a picture here of devouring, consuming, enjoying it like a large meal that someone has placed a bounty in front of us, a a five-course meal that we're enjoying every bit of it, that we're enjoying everything from from Genesis to even the law to even the poems and even the writings and the gospels. All of it is this beautiful, beautiful meal that God has placed before us. That's why we challenged each other and encouraged each other to devour God's word from cover to cover because we want to see all of what God has prepared for us to eat. The person also meditates on it and prays it. I like to think of meditating as praying it into your heart or into your soul, that you, you understand what God's word is and that you might say today in a prayer, God, help me. Today, to delight in your instruction for my life. My sinful nature would say to this, I don't want your instruction, Lord, but oh God, may that never be said about me. May me delight in it. When I'm corrected or when, or when I need help, God, help me delight when you come into my life and you show me how to live. We need to meditate in this way that we meditate its truth and pray its truth down into our soul so that we might be changed 
Psalm 119, verses 1 through, uh, well, verse 1 says, How happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instruction. Happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. Friends, this is what happens when we devour and delight and that we meditate on God's word. It happens as we take it in, it changes our souls, and then it comes out in the way that we live. And this is the produce or this is the production or this is the change that happens because we become, as verse 3, like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The blessed man or woman produces a fruit that happens in season and out of season. When good times happen or when suffering happens, that we know we are producing a fruit that is lasting, eternal, and joy-filled. We see that the Spirit will help us to grow. So those of us who are planted in God's Word, we produce a fruit because the Spirit that is in us, that we produce joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Jeremiah 17, 8 reminds us of this. He will be like a tree planted by water. It sends its root out towards a stream. It doesn't fear when the heat comes and its foliage remains green. It will not worry in a year of drought or cease producing fruit. Some Christians are sour because they have allowed their circumstances or set shallow roots in God's word. When you set shallow roots and aren't allowing the spirit to work through his word, what happens is we produce bad fruit or thistles. We instead, when bad times come, react with anger or we're short with others. And instead of reaping joy in return, Because of our behavior towards them, what happens? They respond likewise. We get anger, shortness, not very prosperous. But if we follow God's word in any situation, even if we have been wronged, if we produce joy and kindness and gentleness, we will then reap another generosity and kindness in return. When we forgive others, when our feelings don't feel like it, we return, in return, get gentleness and joy. Friends, we need to make sure that we are meditating and devouring God's word because it changes how we live. And in contrast, as we look, the next three verses really paint a horrible picture. Because those who do not order their life around God's word will fall into ruin. Verse 4 through 6, the wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that are in the wind, blow is away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. The person who does not set its root in God's word will not be able to stand. In the agricultural sense, it's a comparison that a tree producing fruit is obviously greater than the shaft that blows away with the wind. Here the shaft takes us back to the farming technique of the day. 
even the threshing floor of Ruth, where the wheat was carried in and, and on a stone floor and that the, the oxen would, would trample around to separate the wheat from the shaft. And then one of the farmers or workers would come with a pitchfork and throw it up in the air so that the wind will blow away the shaft and the good wheat will fall to the ground. The shaft here represents those not rooted in God's word. Those who have nothing to stand on, who, who, who will not stand, who have nothing to stand on when the winds and troubles of life come. And the problem becomes that there is a true kingdom, yet there is a kingdom of this world that has an expiration date. Those who are not grounded in God's word have grounded itself in this world. Those who are not grounded in God's word have hitched their wagon to a kingdom that will be blown away and they will be blown away with it. And so we who do not cho choose to anchor our souls or anchor our lives in God's word will not bless others, will not produce fruit, and will only find heartache. Those of us who have never trusted Christ have been given this picture that the word has said that we will be just like this world. The Bible says that a day of separation is coming. As a matter of fact, Jesus uses this very imagery in, in Matthew chapter 5, excuse me, 3, in verse 11, when he says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I. I'm not worthy to remove his sandals. This is actually John speaking. He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the shaft will burn with fire that never goes out. Friends, the Bible reminds us time and time and time again, the ungodly will not stand. On the day of judgment, God will choose those, the sheep and the goats, the wheat and the chaff, and those apart from God will have no place in eternity with God. For those of us, if we choose what our feelings lead, how the culture dictates, then we have chosen the path of the wicked. But here's the good news of God here today. That there is a place for the righteous. There is someone that he is watching over. The good news is that God has offered you the full revelation of his word through his son, Jesus Christ. That if you trust in him, the one who came and died for our sins, the one who was buried and resurrected to life, that the Bible says if you trust and repent in him, that you will be born again and that you will forever dine with the Lord. You will all assemble with the righteous. You will stand and be acquitted in the day of judgment. You have a place in the family of God. Today, no matter how much our life has been marked with wickedness, God has given us the grace of his son, Jesus Christ. All we must do is call out to him, call out to Christ. But we must be warned that in, 
in our life that we must avoid the way of the wicked because it leads to death. So some of you today need to not just read God's word, but allow it to change your hearts and minds. We cannot say, I will determine what it says to me. But instead, we must bow to the word that is breathed out by God, that it is speaking through the Spirit, using to conform us and conform our life to his example. But maybe you're in a tough season of life, and you need to hear this. You can stand on the promises of God. You can stand on his word. He will not fail you. He will bring you joy. And some of you today might need to call out to Christ because your anchor is in nothing. And one day you will stand before God. When the Bible says every knee will bow, you will either bow with all those who are bowing in fear or those who are bowing at their Savior's feet. Friends, we need to read God's word. We need to meditate on it. We need to have it deep within our hearts. And we need to read it. Maybe today you need to sit down and you're examining Christianity. You need to sit down and and start with the book of John and ask the question, who is Jesus? Maybe that is your first step today to be grounded in God's word. You need a relationship with him. So begin there. Read about Jesus. Answer who he is because you will find a savior And you can either say that he is who he says he is, or you will reject it. Or maybe today you need to be in a faithful place of devouring and meditating God's word, so that when the winds of life threaten, you will not be moved. You know, on February 5th, 2008, 10 years ago this, uh, this past February, It marked the 10th anniversary of when Union University had an F4 tornado go straight through its campus. I mean, it knocked down a a student dormitory. It ravaged the campus. David Dockery, who was the president at the time, he just remembered getting word just after 7 p.m. that that a tornado had come. But everything changed when he said that the student building has been hit. Students were trapped for over five hours and students were dazed and running and then word got out that there could be another one coming and so students were hiding all over campus. Students were trapped under rubble but do you know what happened to those students? Union University being a Christian university God did something great among them. As they were in the rooms, cowering in fear, as some were trapped in rubble, not knowing if they would ever escape, God began to bring the word to their minds. They started to recite scripture out loud to encourage one another. One of our very own members, a member of my life group, Bethany Mills, was a student there. 
And she remembered, she said, out of the blue, I don't know, God just reminded me, Psalm 23, and I just started to, sh- to shout it out and say it with others. Though I'm in the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Many other students at the same time would begin to sprout out and say God's word. Friends, when it is difficult, when the winds of life are threatening, when you don't know what the next second or minute or day will bring, God's word will flood your heart and mind and ease your soul. So are you preparing now for those days? The message is the same. God is in control. God protects you. And we can be grateful for that. Today, may we ask this same question? Is God's word in you like a strong oak or a tumbleweed? Because, friends, these two ways will bring you happiness and lasting joy or take you to ruin. Let us pray. God, we ask you this morning as we have heard from your perfect word, the sufficiency of your perfect word. God, we pray this morning that you are reminded, you remind our souls how that we are starved, how we are not whole without it. And God, I pray that if there is someone here that has never been born again, who has never trusted you as Savior, may you, by the reading of your word, see, show them how sweet and true and free grace is, and that, God, they would be saved through your Son. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Hebron Baptist Church. We pray as you have listened, the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart that you may faithfully follow Him. Most importantly, we hope that you've been drawn into a relationship with God. At Hebron, we believe that the gospel is the central message of the Bible. The gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, and died for our sins. But he was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. The most appropriate response to hearing this good news is turning from sin and turning to Christ. Don't stay far from God. Instead, repent and believe in Christ and be brought into an intimate relationship with Him. If you would like more information about this life-changing decision, please contact us through our website at hebronbaptist.org, or even better, come see us on a Sunday morning. May God bless you as you follow Him.